Hello, beloved, and welcome to this evening message in the book of Revelation. Uh, we've been busy with it for quite a while, and wow, amazing what we can get in, um, in, in, in the book of Revelation, isn't it? So many truths, so many revelations of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's exciting. Before we continue, though, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can study the book of Revelation. And thank you that we can study and understand more about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for the privilege that we have, that your Spirit dwells within us and enables us to understand your Word. And so I pray, Father, that you will open up your Word to us and enable me as your servant to teach you, your people. And uh, yeah, may your name be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're busy with Revelation chapter 6. And uh, let's read verse 5 and 6. Revelation chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Important for us to, to get the, the passage right now. All right, verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. Verse 6, And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of meat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Very interesting what has been said. So what we see here is we see the third seal, and the third seal is basically the, the black horse of the apocalypse. Yeah? And, and what it seems like in this, these two verses is that we're looking at hyper inf, um, let's call it uh, hyperinflation, like a rampant hyperinflation. And normally, after war, that's normally what happens. Economies um, are under pressure, and then what you have is you will have this this hyperinflation that comes up. But it's also common when governments overspend, eh? when they spend too much money, so and they just print money instead of having the backup for it. Then it pushes inflation up. And um, I think it was in Zimbabwe where they had inflation, hyperinflation of I can't remember whether it was a thousand percent or something like that, but it was something very, very bad. And the people of Zimbabwe could could feel it. And now in South Africa, they are telling us that we are, that our inflation rate is is actually low, but our consumer inflation rate, when we go to the shops and we go and buy food, then we know that what they are saying, the percentage they are telling us what the inflation rate is and what we're experiencing in the shops are two different things. We are experiencing a very, very high inflation rate. right? And these are all just kind of glimpses of this massive um, hyperinflation that's coming. right? That The book of Revelation is now revealing to us. And it's interesting how he says in verse 6, he says, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. 
Now, in biblical times, a denarius was basically the wage for a day's work. Uh, a quart of wheat or three quarts of barley were the basic diet of the people in those days. So what John is indicating is that a man will actually have to work a whole day just to get enough food to eat. That's for himself. Once he is eaten, there won't be anything left for the family or for the elderly or the poor or that kind of thing. So someone will work a whole day to receive his wage to go and buy enough food just for himself for that specific day. We're talking about serious inflation here. Really, really serious inflation. Now, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 2, we find the parable of the vineyard. And there, a day's work was worth a penny. Now, that's, uh, how can I say, a full day's pay, a penny. I, I can still remember, and I, obviously I think you, you will also remember those who are older, how little we had to pay for, for food. I can still remember when Stefani and myself got married in the beginning. We paid 150 rand for all our groceries, all of it. You know, so, um, and that included the meat, meat and milk and bread and all those things, 150 rand a month. You can't do that today. There's no way. You see, inflation has already eaten up the value of money to such an extent that you are just paying more and more and more for, for less. You can go to the shops now to go and buy food and you walk out with one bag or maybe two bags of food and that's 500 rand to 1,000 rand gone. Depends on what you buy, obviously. But I mean, uh, just look at the, the price of maize at this stage. 25 kgs, 200 rand. And just the other day, well, it feels as if it was just the other day, uh, we paid under, under 100 rand for 25 kgs of maize. So we can see and we can feel, well, we're talking about South Africa now, we can feel that there is a, there's, there's inflation that is pushing prices up. Now, it seems as if this verse suggests, let's, let's make it practical in our terms, that you're basically going to work a whole day for a wage to be able to buy a loaf of bread. Now, we know more, more than one person can eat from a, from a loaf of bread. But I mean, if you have to work uh, the whole day to buy a loaf of bread, that, that tells us that the price has been inflated. There, there's a, a massive problem. So when, it, when we talk about, or when the, let's say, the economists talk about inflation and hyperinflation and all these kind of things, Beloved, we need to take notice. Not because we are afraid of what is, what is going to happen, but because the scripture warns us it is the black horse that's riding, and that black horse that is riding is hyperinflation. It, it, is, it is going to kill people. Many people won't be able to afford it. All right. Now, when we look at a penny or we look at a denarius in, in biblical times, it's a very, very small amount of money. And what we see here as well is it, it seems as if the barley uh, is about a third the cost. So barley is actually the cheapest thing uh, that you can, you can buy. 
from from a biblical perspective, obviously. Now it could represent enough barley for three people. That's what the the passage tells us. So there's three quarts of barley for three people, and it will still cost a whole day's wage to get those three. So a whole day's wage for enough barley to feed three people. So we see that the famine will actually be so great that food will be weighed by grams, in, in our terms, obviously. And it will be distributed only to those who have the money that can buy it. So, and we're already doing it. I mean, on our packaging, there's 500 grams and 200 grams and one kilogram and that kind of thing. So it's already been weighed. So the foundation has already already been laid for... Um, for this kind of inflation to come in and that people can only buy if they have enough money and they they will only have enough money because they worked for it for a whole day. This is actually heartbreaking if you look at it. Now, beloved, it's possible that this famine can be as bad as the famine that was in Egypt during the days of jo- Joseph, you remember? That it could be that bad. But it's also possible that as God directed um, Joseph to, how can I say, to basically be prepared for the famine, you know, God can also do it with us as believers. He can tell his believers what to do, and he can tell them, I mean, here he has told us already there's going to be a famine, we just don't know exactly when, but preparation can be done or maybe should be done, or otherwise God just wants us to trust Him to to be able to, uh, how can I say, to survive the great famine that's coming. Now, it's also possible, remember, that drought can trigger crop failure in many places, and then what happens is if there's crop failure, there's not enough food for the amount of people that, that exists, which means the prices go up because the demand for food is more than what is available and that forces prices to basically go up. And then it seems as if when you look at the passage, it seems as if the, the only ones that would be able to, to buy um, oil is the rich. Okay. All right, so what we see here in this vision is runaway inflation, I think. And um, maybe we're experiencing some of it already. There are countries, obviously, that, that, that experience it already. They've already experienced it, and they're going to experience it very soon. I mean, in South Africa, food prices go up every week, and they, they don't seem to come down. They always say, no, the fuel price has gone up. That's why food prices went up. But then the, food, uh, the fuel price can come down, but the food prices just stay high. So... That's a it's a problem. And it's interesting if we look at how certain food um, certain foods how it is going not by small margins, not going up by small margins, but we can feel it in our pockets. Someone said when inflation is coupled with famine, we actually see a situation more horrible than we care to imagine. 
we must stay closely in tune with God. If he tells us to dig a very deep well, we must do so. If he tells us to plant a garden, then we must do that. It is going to be very important to be able to make daily instructions or to take daily instructions from God. Beloved, according to what we see here in the book of Revelation, there seems to be coming a time where believers will have to trust God for everything. You know, the smallest things. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically told his disciples, he said to them, they, don't, they shouldn't worry, no? Don't worry what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and where you're going to stay and what you're going to drink. Uh, the Gentiles, they concerned, or the heathen, they are concerned about these things. But what God does is he says, or Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So, our focus as believers should be on seeking the kingdom of God, which means to make sure that we are under the rule of God and that we obey his commands and we do what he tells us because we are in his kingdom and live as citizens of the kingdom of God. That's what we should do. And if we do that, if we seek the kingdom of God, where God um, reigns and where God is supreme, if we seek that and we embrace God's commandments for us as, as believers, then he says all these other things shall be added to you so we can truly trust that God is the one who will look after us as his children but I think it's going to take a little time and for for believers to get used to that because we've become so dependent on supermarkets né? and farmers and food just arriving or we we buy it online or yeah get it delivered nowadays uh, we, we've become so relaxed when it comes comes to food that um, I wonder how, how many truly uh, born-again believers really seek the kingdom of God first and trust the Lord for the adding of everything else that is needed, food and drink and clothes to wear and that kind of thing. But that's the command that Jesus as our King gives us. Hey, Now it seems as if this call, if we go back to the passage now, this call not to harm the oil and the wine basically suggests that there's going to be people who are going to be be wealthy during that time. All right? And it means that probably that the rich are going to be just fine. Don't touch their stuff because their stuff is so expensive. People won't be able to even buy it. They won't be able to buy oil and they won't be able to buy wine. Maybe um, diluted stuff, but... It's going to be very, very expensive. I mean, if your stable diet or your stable food is so expensive that you, it takes a day's wage, how much will you then pay for oil? You know, it's just one of those things. Now, there are some important lessons that we can take away from this passage. And the one thing is that a famine can be looked at not only physically, but we can look at it spiritually. They, they, how can I say, there's easily a... a well, there could easily be a spiritual famine in the lives of people or in the, let's call it the nominal church world. I mean, we are seeing 
churches teaching false doctrine already. I mean, that's rampant all over the world. There are so many false doctrines out there, uh, which means that when it comes to the truth of God's word, there is already a famine of God's word, of the truth of God's word. Uh, biblical doctrine, sound doctrine, sound biblical teaching. There is a, a, a famine. It's not, it's not common everywhere. When we went to the United Kingdom in 2008, it was, it was shocking to see how many of the churches actually closed down and they were turned into businesses, restaurants, even pubs. You know, so if, if that happens, well, we know that the church is not the building, obviously. But if there's so many churches, and I mean, we're talking about a lot of churches in, in, at that stage. We were in England and in Scotland. And as we traveled, we could see many churches, which tells us that there's a, there's a problem within the churches. And it's a spiritual problem, obviously. Right, so there's this famine in the church for the truth. And that's so heartbreaking. I mean, there's professing believers, they deny the, the virgin birth of Christ. They deny the, the Red Sea crossing, you know, when the Red Sea parted and, and the uh, Israelites could go through. They reject that. They say, ah, that's, that's myth. That's not truth. Or, for example, Jonah being swallowed up by a large fish. Yeah, it's just they don't they don't accept these things. They don't believe these things. There are many professing believers that don't believe that Jesus Christ was an actual historical figure in the sense of God with us, that he is Emmanuel. They they rather embrace the idea that Jesus was a good teacher. He was a a, a prophet, nah, but he, they won't say that he is God incarnate. So there are so many things that are being taught in the churches that are are dangerous at, at best. Dangerous. But it's a famine of the truth. A spiritual famine. I mean, there are churches today that ordain practicing homosexuals. Um, women are being ordained as pastors. And, and then what we know that uh, secular humanism basically makes human beings gods, little gods. Nah? And we have Kenneth Copeland and the Word of Faith movement, they have the little gods doctrine. They teach that we are little gods. But secular humanism basically wants to make man God. That's basically what secular humanism stands for. And unfortunately, there are many, many... Um, professing believers who embrace secular humanism. They don't have a strong biblical worldview. They've got a secular humanistic worldview. When they look at the world, they look at it through humanism. They don't look at the world through the eyes of, of Scripture. A biblical, they don't have a biblical worldview. So it's, it's, it's clear that even though um, the book of Revelation speaks about this famine that's coming, hyperinflation, and people will not be able to, to really uh, buy more than a, a basic meal for the day, for a whole day's work, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking that there's going to be 
a physical famine, but we're already seeing a, a spiritual famine within the church, the nominal church world now. And that's, that's bad. That's heartbreaking. All right. So, but it doesn't matter what we do. I mean, whether it's physical now famine or whether it's spiritual famine, they're both bad. What we need to do is we need to stay very, very close to the Lord. And I mean, I believe that he will see us through every single thing that will happen in the future. We don't have to be concerned about it. Now, the third horseman of the apocalypse who rides out early in the tribulation, he will basically take a heavy, heavy toll when it comes to death and sickness. I mean, the black horse drives as, rides as a symbol of, of famine, famine and disease, now, which often follows war, obviously. And uh, it, it seems to be that it's going to, be, this is a message now, that there are hard times coming for all of mankind. Obviously, God will protect us. Uh, we are his children. Uh, how he's going to do it, that's up to him. But we can know that there's going to be tough times coming for the people of this earth. Right? It's a tough or a hard time. That will be coming for the man of this, for the people of this earth. Now, if you look at the the the, the color black, black normally represents death, na? Or it can represent woe, or mourning, or terrible times, famine, physical or spiritual evil. It is obviously the opposite of goodness, and it's everything that opposes God. Now, someone said God's people will surely be saved in the famine and not from the famine. You hear that? God's people will be saved in the famine and not from the famine. I mean, Noah was saved in the flood, but not from the flood. Remember that. So it doesn't mean that we will be taken out so that we we don't experience the famine or anything like that. No, God will protect us in the famine. All right? I mean, remember that God rained manna from heaven for, the, for Israel? You remember that? That was supernatural. And he sent them quail. And, and how many people did God look after and how many people did God provide for? We're talking about Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Nah? And I mean, God looked after them. God provided for them. So I believe with, my whole of, with the whole of my heart is if there's a famine coming and we as believers are going to be in the situation, then God will provide because he's God. You see, God always have, let's call it, places of refuge for his children to go to. Or just, he is our refuge. We can run to him. And we are going to be safe with him. God always cares for his own. And that's the most beautiful thing. Now, if you go back, remember, if we go back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, when Jesus speaks to the churches, he says, Because you have kept my, commands, uh, my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth 
to test those who dwell on the earth. You see, it's just so amazing. Because you kept my command, persevered. He says, I also will keep you from the hour of trial. God protects his own. He will never ever forsake the righteous. That's not the God we worship. So, that's verse 5 and 6 of Revelation chapter 6. What a, an amazing um, two verses. Let me just read it again. Verse 5 and 6. It says, When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. Yo, beloved, it is absolutely certain. Absolutely certain, I believe. That God will protect his own. That something terrible is coming, but we can know and we can be assured of it, that God hasn't lost control. God knows what he's doing. Uh, he has not lost any control whatsoever. Right. Now, let's read verse 7 and 8 as well. Verse 7 says, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, of the fourth, sorry, living creature saying, Come and see. Verse 8. So I looked and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Yo, mouthful. So the fourth seal is a pale horse. Ah, the pale horse of the apocalypse. And this horse represents death. Now John tells us that the rider on this horse was death and Hades followed after him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill the, with the sword, with hunger, with death and the beasts of the earth. So one quarter of the earth's population, that would be yeah, nearly two billion people, will die as a result of this rider. This is serious, brother, brothers and sisters. It's serious. Now, it's possible that this rider basically causes war, followed by famine, and then drought worldwide, and then death from different things. I mean, the fact that Hades um, follows death shows us that those who are killed will be unbelievers. Okay, when believers die, remember, we don't go to Hades. We don't go to hell. Okay, we go to paradise. We need to remember that. So it's speaking about unbelievers here. Now, the color pale basically means it's uh, like a sickly color. It wants, makes one think of, of someone being sick to death. You know, when somebody is that pale... And it seems as if they are right at the end of their life. They have that specific pale color. And we see that death and hell are basically grouped together. And this basically means uh, a termination of earthly dwelling. Yep. You see, death of the body is inevitable for every one of us. 
But the thing is, heaven awaits us, but damnation, hell, um, destruction waits for unbelievers. Because it will be time of God's judgment upon this earth. Now, beloved, with everything happening, it seems as if John is, is describing a time when men's hearts will fail them from fear of the things that's coming upon the earth. We read about it in Luke chapter 21, verse 26. And it is said that we have the capacity, human beings have the capacity to knock the earth off its axis with a nuclear bomb. Or nuclear bombs. The, it's, the possibility is there. I don't think ever in history has mankind been more, how can I say, more dangerous or in a dangerous situation than what we are in now. Literally, the big players in the world can destroy the world uh, with nuclear weapons. And what happens is we have fear besides climate change and all the fear mongering that's happening. Fear is rampant and it's around the world. And you know what? All it takes to cause disaster on earth is just one crazy man or a woman to push the wrong button. Love it. But we look to the Lord now. We don't look to governments, we don't look to government leaders, we don't look to civil servants, we don't look to any earthly leader. What we do is we look to the Lord. And we don't look at the things that is happening around us, because then we will become extremely despondent. And what passages like these helps us is, it tells us what's going to happen, but immediately, there's only one thing, we can only have one response, and that is that we look up to the Lord because we know that he's our refuge and he's our strength and he is it forever and ever because that's all we have how do we save ourselves from what is going to come over this earth we can't there's nothing that we can do to prevent it there's nothing we can do to stop it there's nothing we can do to to even make it a little more lighter than, than as described in Scripture. The thing is, we look to the Lord because He knows what He's doing. All right, and when, he, when He's busy doing what He's doing, we are His children, we are part of His family, and He will look after us. That's the wonderful thing about the Almighty God that we worship. As we become his children and he looks after his children because he's God, because he loves us. That that's that's basically it for this message. Let's close our eyes in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can read what is going to happen, and especially when we read about these horsemen of the apocalypse that rides out and whoa, just destruction behind them. Father, thank you so much that we can know that we can look up to you as the living Almighty God because you are our strength. You are the one who protects. You are the one who who directs our footsteps and you are the one who controls everything. Father, I pray in Jesus' precious name. May we enable us to look to you and 
enable us to walk by faith and not by sight. So at the end of the day, Father, we can uh, be prepared for what is coming upon this earth. May your name be glorified and may your people be edified as we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that his face will shine upon you and that he will give you his peace. God willing, until next time, bye-bye.